Is it a uh, happy Thanksgiving for you now? Uh, kind of. I mean, it used to, I mean, it's that week, I think, in the US, but uh, it used to be just like go home from school and stuff on Wednesday, celebrate Thursday, maybe have the day off Friday. But now it's like almost, I think, like a week event in some parts of the country. Like starting on Monday. Yeah, maybe not, but I kind of was looking at people's Facebook and that kind of gave me the impression. Maybe it's still just like from the middle of the week off or something, I don't know, but yeah, I guess it is Thanksgiving. Are you uh, you got plans? Do you do anything anymore now that you're in Japan? Or is it Thanksgiving is uh, different now that you're here? I'm going to work. Uh, <laughs> actually, uh, this week in um, <clears throat> Japan too is like uh, wasn't it like uh, thanks for worker day or whatever. What is it called? Oh Something yeah, about, labor um, labor Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. <clears throat> they called it yeah, which is uh, November twenty third, and everyone gets the day off. Did you uh, yeah. did you do anything? I was just working on some projects i'm trying to finish up before the year end so i was busy working how about you uh i i had a little bit of workout at home did some it was an arms day arms and shoulder day today so uh yeah bring out the guns yeah a couple of (laughs) push-ups that was about (laughs) it (laughs) the extent of my uh my workout uh no i had a lot of actually grading to do which kind of yeah filled up my my holiday uh yeah, the weather was quite nice. I, you know, I had a look outside the window. The, the missus went into town, did some window shopping. She said it was pretty busy. Lots of people out and about. Yeah, I was uh, had to drive out to Furano, so there was actually uh, kind of snow a little bit on the uh, ski mountain and the uh, surrounding mountains as well and stuff. So yeah, yeah, there was a bit of slush I noticed on the, on the car. But uh, yeah, and it's planning to snow, what, this week sometime? Maybe the weekend uh, after Black Friday. That's this Friday now, right? And it seems like every country celebrates that now. And it originates from from your country. What, what was it for again? I can't even remember. Big sales is all I know. Yes, world, you're welcome. We uh, gave you more consumerism uh yeah it's just basically huge sales and it used to be like people um you know like lining up at the doors and bull rushing into the store when the doors are opened and stuff oh, taking people out and stuff that's that day that's that's black friday when everyone's like trying to you know get buy four TVs and they fight over christmas presents and stuff like that that's what, yeah. that's that day in the aisles of the expensive i don't know what it's like i think it's still like that in some parts now but obviously uh, just like most countries, I think what's gotten a lot bigger is like Cyber Monday. Mm. Isn't that? Uh, when is that? Monday? I think it's the Monday after Thanksgiving week. Oh, uh, man. So Black Friday and then Cyber Monday. So two big shopping days. Yeah. And I take it Amazon's going to have some, some big event, which they usually do. Yeah, I'd, I never really kind of got into the whole, you know, Black Friday and, and Cyber Monday. Because, I mean, are the, are the sales really that good? Never really uh, went out to, to explore. 
Yeah, they are. I mean, they are. Yeah, uh, like uh, really good deals on like electronics and stuff sometimes. And now they're just like, you know, give it an excuse to get people to come shopping, where they'll start the black or the Cyber Monday sales and stuff from like two weeks, three weeks before, <laughs> and oh, everything. You know, so because I, I just, I literally just bought a new computer, and maybe I should have. Do you think I should have waited until Cyber Monday? Perhaps. I mean, I don't know if there's going to be an applicable coupon for computers, but it's very likely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know, I know like Apple or Macs, they don't really do uh, big deals very often, right? It's usually, yeah. the, you know, like Yordabashi camera and places like that. They'll give you, I don't know, last year's stock or something for, for real cheap. But yeah, I don't, I don't think I'll be able to get like a brand new MacBook Air for like 50% off or something. No, probably not. But okay. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I, to be honest, I, I don't really. Uh, I'm not either into either one really either. I don't think I, I don't even know if I've ever bought anything ever on Black Friday or yeah. Cyber. I think maybe I've bought something <clears throat> on Cyber Monday once, but I don't even remember what it was. So yeah, yeah, me too. Not not really a shopper, and I guess uh, I don't need all that extra extra stuff. We have in we have one TV, and that's uh, that's enough. I think don't need five. Like some of those crazies usually go for. Yeah, good thing about living in Japanese apartments and being a little bit cramped as you start to realize. I mean, you start to turn into what was your name, Marie Kondo or whatever. Oh, on the, the Netflix, uh, she did like some documentary about being uh, economical with her clothing and housing goods. Yeah, well, I think she like blew up. I mean, yeah. I think there's like a method that's used throughout the world of. Is it Maria or, I don't even know, Kondo? Yeah, Maria, Maria Kondo or something like that. Yeah, but she's profited quite well out of that whole thing. But, yeah, I mean, you definitely kind of realize you don't have enough space for hardly anything living in Japan. Oh, definitely, definitely. Anyway, uh, what are we talking about today? I uh, Yeah, I was talking to a friend uh, recently about just, like, labor laws. And, you know, when... I don't know if you were working in education at the time, Burke, but when the law changed for full-time teachers, so to make them become tenured, they the government introduced like a five-year law. So once they were working consecutively for five years at a school, the school would have to make them a full-time or give them a tenureship. So then, uh, li- a lifelong lifelong contract. I You're guess. talking about uh, like uni- universities and stuff. Yeah, I think this was like universities, uh, you know, public schools, high schools, oh, really? junior high schools, and it applied to yeah Japanese people and and foreign teachers too. Um, I, I can't remember when it came in. It must be like 2015. Uh, were you still teaching then in 2015? I guess that was no. I, I think I stopped teaching in 2007. Mm, yeah. So this new law. Well, that new law came in then and it was supposed to, you know, help teachers out because they wanted more security uh, and then get in tenureship. They get more benefits. They get, uh, you know, the, the annual pay increases uh, that that the Japanese full time Japanese teachers get. But it actually didn't work that way. Instead, the uh, the schools would end up hiring them for the five years and then letting them go. Like not well, I guess they were firing them. They weren't saying that they were firing them, but they were just like, you know, your your five years is up, and then they would get a new teacher in because they didn't want to make uh, that person tenured. 
because I guess once they are tenured, it's a lot harder to get rid of them if they're troublemakers or whatever. Um, and obviously, they they have to pay them more money. There's more benefits. So as a business decision, it's actually better not to make someone tenured. So yeah, that whole kind of law uh, backfired, and now and I guess that was uh, the the school's loophole of not making their teachers tenured. So it kind of yeah. benefits schools more than the actual teachers, which is what the law was originally supposed to do. I wasn't teaching when that was introduced, but I was teaching in Aikaiwa. I was like part of the last generation of Aikaiwa teachers that were kind of legitimate uh, full-time teachers in that, except for, because kind of the same thing happened, right? They had to start providing uh, Aikaiwa, or English conversation schools, were kind of skirting the law about providing employees with uh, national health insurance by just providing them with like pretty good overseas travel insurance during the one or two years that they would work at the Aikaiwa, at the conversation mm-hmm. schools. And uh, I think finally, for whatever reason, the government just said, you know, this is breaking the law. Full-time employees need to receive national health insurance. And so to get around that, they just like no longer had real full-time employees anymore by like limiting the number of hours they were actually in the office or something, still making them teach just as much, but, you know, they weren't actually on the premise for long enough, premises long enough. Yeah, um, yeah. It was like uh, worded as contact hours, right, which meant actually teaching time or face-to-face with students. So any time, like, in the office, preparing, having lunch, having breaks, that wasn't included in the, the contact hours so they could keep those numbers down which wouldn't qualify them, uh, the teacher, as a full-time worker in terms yeah. of the labor laws. So they were actually working full-time hours, but contractually they weren't, so they didn't have to pay them those benefits. And that's that's one way of those uh, those companies or those was trying to uh, yeah skirt that law. Um, yeah, so those are the happens. conditions... Yeah. yeah, that's the conditions you taught under, right? I think yeah, at a couple of a uh, couple of those schools, yeah. Well, they call them. Do they call them? Is it black companies? They call you know yeah. schools and businesses <laughs> like that. <laughs> but it was the first company where we worked at. Was that a black company? I, I don't know. Th- I think it, I think it might have been. Oh, but, really? but I think they're not anymore because I, I remember some people working there and they were getting you know the the state pension and uh health insurance so it wasn't oh, yeah. the um it wasn't like the overseas one well which... i think that's what ended up happening it was like mm. uh they started giving people an option to either if they wanted to receive national health insurance they had to work under certain conditions or something that would be different from people who didn't want maybe something unfavorable and therefore yeah, they wouldn't go for like that yeah but so again i was kind of the last generation where we were uh legitimate full-time teachers but we were on this uh you know, reimbursement, overseas travel insurance scheme, which to be honest, I think usually you were, you know, uh, reimbursed uh, most of the time. I don't think there was too much trouble with it. So, And it was definitely, know. it was cheaper than, you know, the state insurance and the state pensions. But yeah. I think it was still illegal though, because to go on those uh, overseas ones, yeah, you could only be uh, living or working abroad for like one year maximum. And over right. that, you, you know, it it kind of became invalid. But then some schools kept that going for, you know, for years. 
uh, as long as the teacher was there. They you would usually, I guess the teacher would usually stay for like three, three to five years max. I don't know many teachers that kind of stayed longer than that, um, especially at that yeah that first day Kai we're talking about on on that, on that same contract. It seemed like they they'd either move on somewhere else or they would go go back home. Yeah, and of course, like back in my day, when then like people would sometimes try to switch to the national health insurance, but it would show that they've been in Japan for already several years, and the ward office or whatever was like, you have to pay <laughs> those back years of not yeah. being on the national health insurance. And I know a couple of people who went through that. Somebody actually recently in the past year, um, but they had been in Japan for like over ten years, over fifteen maybe, and they didn't have to pay for like those full fifteen whatever years. Uh, they were just, I think it was capped at a certain amount, but they did have to pay like a big lump sum at the beginning to get in onto the National Health Insurance Program. So, so I guess yeah. So somebody was talking about this loopholes for you for in the teaching world and yeah, and it made me kind of come up with this uh, yeah this idea of how there's you know Japan is kind of notorious for finding ways of of skirting the law or uh, I mean they're not they're not necessarily breaking the law they're just like kind of taking the law by the exact wording and tailoring it to suit their needs so they're not actually breaking the law um so yes yeah, so i found this article from what is it to tofugu.com and uh it lists uh, a, a few uh major loopholes which i think a lot of people especially when they're visiting japan they will notice it around and and thinking hold on a minute in the law it says this is illegal but you you see it everywhere and one of the main things that uh the one of the biggest ones is uh is for example uh pachinko and if if there's people that don't know that gambling is actually illegal in japan but you but there are some things that it's okay to have so for example uh betting on racehorses and uh i think certain motorsports it's it's okay that's not considered gambling for some reason and uh and pachinko is not considered illegal either because uh what it what it says is that in the in the law it says that it's only illegal uh if payments are made on site so on the premises that would make uh the gambling establishment illegal and that's how pachinko parlors get around that they the the people that gamble on those machines they you know everyone knows they put balls and then what comes out how many balls you get you exchange that for gifts or tokens um so you're not actually getting the cash there and then you take those winnings whatever items that you've been given into and then you go outside you actually leave the building and there's i don't know i don't know what it is i've never actually seen it before but i think it's like a small i don't know hut or a box or something where you exchange those gifts and then they give you the cash um i've never actually played pachinko before i've only heard about it um but yeah i heard that's that's how they they get around that gambling loophole which sounds like so dodgy, you know. It's like everyone knows exactly what's happening, and uh, and it just goes on. Yeah, I've never gam or played pachinko either, uh, just like you. But we may need to in the name of research here pretty soon. But um, 
Yeah, like sometimes you can either get the gifts and exchange them, and it, or I said you could even just get receipts, a piece of paper, a uh, slip of paper if you didn't want to carry one of those embarrassing uh, prizes or something to exchange it. Um, it also talked about, like, uh, you know, a lot of cities have, like, lottery programs and stuff. I mean, the year-end lottery in Japan around right before New Year's is, like, a big event. A lot of people buy lottery tickets and see if they uh, get any winnings over the New Year. Um, but uh, actually, casinos now, too, are starting to become, uh, they're going to be legal, right, in certain parts of Japan. Um mm. It's advanced still, a little bit. I'm still bit. waiting for that. Is that is that law actually been passed yet that they're going to make uh, casinos legal? Because um, I know they've been yeah. talking about it for a long time. Yeah, in 2018, uh, they passed legislation that will permit several casinos to open in Japan. Uh, but uh, they, you know, it's that was 2018. Here we are in 2021. So the current situation is that uh, certain locations are uh, in a bidding process. That opened October 1st of this year, so just very recently, and uh, continues until the end of April 2022. Uh, so a lot of places like Osaka, uh, Nagasaki, Wakayama, and Tokyo are all going to submit bids for what type of casinos they want to build. And like MGM submitted re- apparently mm. a, a bid for like a $9 billion uh, dollar, uh, casino development plan. Uh, so casinos are like they were. There was talk about a uh, possible casino coming to um, Tamakomai here in Hokkaido. Yeah, but, yeah, right. And I think Otaru might have been one of the candidates too. Uh, yeah, but uh, people in Tamakomai shut it down because of the effect that it would have on the environment or something. So mm. uh, no longer a going to be bidding. It sounds like, but yeah, Pachinko is uh, pretty strange. I mean, you see pachinko parlors all over and of course it says it's not illegal to actually operate a pachinko parlor where you just sit down to play the game but yeah just as long as you don't receive cash on site or uh then it's not uh the type of illegal gambling under the law pachinko just seems so boring but like so many people play it not not like young people it's generally kind of uh you see like old people there and i know yeah I guess degenerate gamblers, but you definitely see a lot of the older generation retirees. I wonder if that's what they're spending their pensions on. But I kind of tried to play it when I first arrived, but it's so loud and annoying, um, and it's it's literally there's not much skill involved, so it's not very fun. Um, I guess similar to slot machines, really. I, I, I didn't, I don't really understand why people play slot machines, but uh, yeah, I. I I don't like that kind of gambling, but I'd be quite happy if a, a casino came there because I quite enjoy going to a casinos. Like in England, we have them everywhere. Um, yeah, what about you, Bert? Do you like do you like casinos? Do you think it'd be a good thing to have uh, legal casinos in Japan? Uh, I avoid casinos for the most part because uh, I'm pretty sure I'd get hooked. You got uh, an addictive personality, right? <laughs> Well, I got an addictive personality, but I think I talked about it before, but I went through this phase in college where I was playing cards a lot with friends, uh, sometimes for money, and it just get ridiculous where we were, like, owing each other, like, $1,500 on a game. We're like, okay, this game, double or nothing. <laughs> just like, And we just ended up, like, not wanting to hold a friend to such a huge debt that we would just play until it finally, like, even back out again, basically, you know? <laughs> So, but it was just like, couldn't stop playing, you know, I was like, oh, I just want to know if I just play a little bit more, you know, I'm able to win and stuff. So, 
Um, yeah, so that's basically why I don't. But the you know a lot of these places that are against the gambling or the casinos coming in, um, you know, there's this guy uh, talking about uh, at least currently uh, just through pachinko and whatnot, uh, at least five percent of the Japanese population is addicted to gambling. Was this guy's estimate, and uh, and that was like five years ago, so it's probably gone up since then. Um, I, I, I have I have noticed, and maybe it's because there is a kind of a, a bit of a taboo subject or view of gambling that the Japanese really enjoy it when they do gamble. Like I, I used to, yeah, play some cards with some uh, some Japanese guys um, in one of my local bars back in the day, and they they were quite well off. They you know they had their own businesses and. And they would normally like travel overseas to go to casinos like Macau and and Vegas and stuff. So when there was any kind of opportunity to to gamble anything, like whether it was yeah playing darts, playing pool, playing poker, uh, backgammon, even they would they would love it and they would just like bet so much they just didn't care. And it, and every every time I kind of gamble with Japanese people, they're always kind of like that. They don't really care how much. Uh, how much they're gambling. Um, they're not very, I guess, uh, conservative when it comes to putting money down on the table, uh, which is quite, which is quite fun. And and maybe, you know, it's because of the the lack of gambling establishments in uh, in Japan. Whereas, like in in England, casinos are everywhere. So, I don't know. Maybe because it's there all the time, I think people gamble less. Like, not many of my friends in England went to the casinos. It was just like. Yeah, just a handful of of buddies and, and and my cousins and stuff, but it wasn't common for like people to go to casinos back then. I don't know what it's like now. It might have changed. I don't know. I guess I guess I was kind of young then. You know, I was in, like in my in my late teens, early twenties, so probably not enough money to to go gambling on a regular basis. But now, yeah, in my in my thirties and forties, maybe it would be different. Yeah, well, I have a lot of <clears throat> good friends from university and stuff, and they like to gamble a lot in sports and, uh, you know, going to Vegas and Macau and stuff. Um, but I used to work in that video game company, and there was, um, I mean, it wasn't outright gambling again. It was kind of like a loophole, but, uh, you know, for a while I was working in the quality control department, and for a short time during that I was, like, overseeing these quality control teams that were checking video games and you know after a certain point like 10 years ago or something a little more than that like everything switched there's a huge switch obviously from console gaming to mobile gaming and like this company and many others were producing these uh gotcha games um do you know what gotcha is or like gotcha gotcha machines where you turn uh put in some money turn the thing and a ball comes out yeah and and you get uh, like a little prize inside the ball yeah, and I was I was like, man, who actually ever puts money on these things? And then like I had kids, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm buying these things like every weekend now for my daughters. Uh, but uh, yeah, they're called Gotcha Gotcha because of the sound that it makes when you turn the mm. dial. But um, so these baseball, uh, mobile baseball games or other types of games were just all about getting to this point where you like uh, push the thing and three things spin, and then if they line up, you know, you win and blah blah blah. If you don't, and people putting in money though to continue playing the game and stuff so it's another form of gambling it's another form of addiction huge addiction um but yeah a lot of these video game uh companies are producing obviously uh things like this because they're doing quite well so there's a lot of these little things that just like you know hook people into gambling in japanese society again those lottery systems and stuff Mm. um 
you know I've, I've i've never even bought a lottery ticket in japan i've only bought a lottery ticket once in my whole life and that was that was when i turned the day i turned 16 um when i was in england and i bought my first and that was my only lottery ticket for a pound obviously i didn't win anything but ever since then i've never bought a lottery ticket ever or any scratch cards or anything like that but uh but yeah it seems like quite a lot of people when it comes to the big ones anyway in japan you see like massive lines of of uh yeah just people trying to get that or whatever rollover or whatever it is maybe the end of year one i guess is the the biggest one but uh what about yourself though do you uh do you partake in the lottery at the year end no i i've never bought a lottery ticket in my life but i have received lottery tickets from like aunts and uncles in japan <laughs> saying like their place. well no it's just like you know as the as the new year's eve lottery is being shown on tv they're like oh you can have a couple of my tickets because i'll buy like 30 tickets or something you know? <laughs> um but you know it was a big part of their uh their uh, tradition over the year end and stuff and uh so i've never done that but you read those stories of people who win the lottery and like there's a i don't know if it's like a majority or not but there's a not- noticeable um percentage of people who win the lottery where like their life uh just turns horrible within the next mm. five or ten years either because they're not ready for the money or because like everyone comes after them because they think they have a lot of money and uh yeah like you just hear all these stories of people like losing all the money or their life just going horribly bad after they've won the lottery so especially i mean i just didn't uh buy tickets up to you know in the past because i wasn't really into it but then you read stories like that kind of uh, makes me want to avoid gambling even more so or lottery tickets at least i don't really gamble you know yeah, so that was a big one, right? Gambling. Yeah. Should we move on to another one, which mm. I think some listeners could be interested in, and they will, I mean, especially if they're coming to, like, uh, Tokyo in the Rapongi, not Rapongi area, what's that, Kabugicho, or if you come to Suskino in Sapporo, the red light district, you notice a lot of, I guess, uh, yeah, sexual services, for men maybe some for women not really sure about that but yeah uh people might be surprised to to hear that prostitution is also illegal in japan but you see stuff like that everywhere and it goes on you know there's what do they call it they call it soap land which is basically a a massage parlor it's supposed to be but they actually operate as brothels not officially but that's the reason why people go there um yeah so you can uh get sex but it is illegal and the what is it the specific language for the anti-prostitution law uh, forbids it says forbids vaginal sex in exchange for money so basically they never advertise vaginal sex they just advertise massages i think it's and, uh, is it vagina? i think it's vaginal <laughs> vaginal, <laughs> vaginal. <laughs> america british, british i don't know yeah british uh pronunciation i'm uh I'm I, no I, doctor. I, I don't think i've ever said that word but that might be the first time i've said that word so yeah maybe i don't actually know we've never had to try to talk about it so uh it's yeah. professionally you know right, right. you're usually just using your usual crude words but uh yeah, i was yeah. i don't know 
That was a that was a nice attempt. Actually, there is an English and British pronunciation. Uh, oh, you know what? You were saying it with the British pronunciation. It appears. Ah, there you go. I do hmm. kind of know what I'm talking about then. <laughs> yeah, I was just the idiot. I was the ignorant one. So there so, you go. So American is the vaginal. Vaginal. Not not vaginal. I think the Japanese call it vaginal. Yeah, that Romaji. Damn, <laughs> damn Romaji. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so just like you said, the law is, well, forbids, quote-unquote, vaginal sex in exchange for money. Yeah. Yes, and, and that's the loophole there. For, well, uh, that that and there's other wording. What was the other wording that uh, allows them uh, to get past it? Uh, the key word, uh, see, the wording for the law forbids only intercourse with an unspecified person ex- in exchange for payment. And, uh, of course, <laughs> unspecified is the key word there because if they hang out for a while, then they are no longer unspecified and... Um, so they can therefore uh, engage in sexual acts, except for <laughs> vaginal or vaginal uh, inner uh, sex. Right, right, yeah. But, but I, I, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I heard uh, when I first arrived that up to this is yeah, this was coming from uh, one of my Japanese friends, and he said um, that eighty percent of Japanese men go to Soapland. 80% of adult men. Um, and he said it like it was, you know, like that everyone went. He went all the time. Um, he had like a he had like a stamp card. So yeah, those places do have, you know, point cards and stuff like that too. So I think it's quite, uh, yeah, quite common apparently for uh, Japanese men to go to those establishments. For foreigners, it's a bit, it's a bit more difficult, um, especially in, in Sapporo. Uh, I think Tokyo might be different because there's probably more establishments uh, because there's more foreigners living there that they could have more places geared towards them. But in Sapporo, the, the community is quite small. So I think, yeah, then there, there's no like establishments aimed at foreigners, whereas I think Tokyo they would be or Kabukicho they would be. Yeah. Um, unlike you, I didn't come to Japan for this reason. Uh, I didn't. I didn't really know much about it till after I got here. Um, <laughs> me but, too. Uh, me too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If that's your story. I'll help you stick to it. Um, yeah. I didn't, uh, and still don't know much about this land. Uh, who was it that gave us a pretty good uh, explanation and introduction? Uh, the comedian. Um, oh the, yeah. Yeah. Right. He was on our. He was on our podcast. Yeah. 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 So he. We'll, we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh we'll put a link to his uh his pod uh his youtube channel he's got a youtube he's got a really funny youtube channel um yeah and he just talks about kind of the sex industry in japan and he also does stand-up comedy in tokyo but he's uh yeah he's he's really funny yeah and he came on our show he didn't did he talk about that the, the soap plan stuff i think he i can't remember if he did or not he might have done yeah, he gave us a explanation about the, all the uh, different levels mm. of sex establishments in Japan, and then you're like, "When can you take us to the real places?" <laughs> I'm still waiting to hear uh, back from him about that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is—I mean, it's pretty strange. Yeah, uh, comedian. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Meshida. 
Meshida, Meshida, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Meshida, if you're listening. Um, yeah, he was he was a really funny guest. Yeah, I, d- I don't think he mentioned the uh, the laws, but I think he does have a a YouTube video talking about the uh, the sex laws in Japan, which is quite funny. Um, yeah. So, what are we talking about? Yeah. So soap well, plans. Um, yeah, I mean, and there are other places too, like uh, what was the other one? Fashion Hedesu, which are basically what places where you go for fellatio or is it fellatio in the american <laughs> <laughs> is that what fashion hedesus i thought uh we had somebody else on the podcast i think toshi was talking about I remember when he had to be a driver for that uh industry i think mm. it's more esc- isn't fashion health escort services usually uh, uh like delivered i thought it was delivered fellatio fashion health or, or health well, basically, I guess that's part might be part of it. I don't know, you know. Again, <laughs> I never you actually know heard better of than a, me. I never actually heard of fashioned health before. This is the first time for me to hear no, that expression. No, Toshi was explaining it on that episode. I think he was talking. I think because uh, yeah, I think he brought it up. If I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was just he was talking about delivery health, which is oh another, delivery yeah, health. Yeah, oh, was that different. different from fashion health? Yeah, so the delivery oh, one is where where Toshi was the driver and he was delivering the women to like hotels and uh, yeah love hotels and stuff. But the fashion one, I'm not sure. This is the first time I've I've heard of it. Um, yeah, fashion health centers. So I guess this is uh, not delivery. It's where people go um, to receive that stuff. Yeah, I mean, again, it's just uh, supposed to be illegal, but you know, going through these different uh, types of businesses. I mean, apparently they're still heavily regulated and they need to report uh, to the police and register as a certain designation. Again, as you mentioned, soap lands, fashion health, massage parlors, call girl businesses, strip clubs, love hotels, and adult shops. Mm. Uh, So they are are everywhere though, right? Like these these places. There's one... Go ahead. I mean, it... You know, they say it's illegal, but it really doesn't feel like it at all. Like, they're not being discreet about it. You'd think for something to be illegal, it'd be a little bit underground or, you know, in, hidden away in, in back streets. Because, you know, like like in England, that's what it's like. Because, you know, prostitution's illegal in England, but there'll be brothels around. But you wouldn't be able to know uh, just by looking at the building that it's a brothel or not. It's not, like, clearly advertised. But here they're very open about stuff like that, and so I think a lot of people will be shocked to hear that. Yeah, prostitution is illegal. Yeah, well, there's one uh, near our dojo. It's like an is adult, it <laughs> an adult theater? Where's that? Saint Ben. I saw you walking out of there on your way to the other day. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, is I don't know exactly what it is because you know I just when I'm walking by, <laughs> yes, maybe just try too. to look out of the <laughs> corner of my eye. No, I don't, man. But the strange thing is, is I think it's like some kind of theater. Um, but the strange, it's just like on the main road, and uh, oh, there's a that cur- place. Yeah. yeah, there's like a curtain that kind of like is usually shut, but sometimes it's open and then just like has posters for whatever type of movie is playing, which is usually like you know a poster of 
some partially nude woman. (laughs) And uh, it's just like a public street that like kids are walking home from school on and stuff. And I was like, (laughs) really? Like this is right here, you know? Yeah, because it's on on ground level too, right? Like right, not on the main road, but it's just off the main road. Well, that road itself is a pretty, uh, uh, I mean, that's part of um, uh, Fighter's Dory. So it's kind of like a (laughs) a connecting uh, street popular street that a lot of people take because it's diagonal street you know is that is that place still open like even during the pandemic did i don't it, know did it i haven't remain? <laughs> i haven't been by there to go to the dojo not not uh, since the pandemic to go to the hit. dojo <laughs> <laughs> um but it, but it was strange to be like i mean there are kind of like uh small like uh snack shops and stuff right around there behind it as well too oh not um, not inside um no because <laughs> Those are like side streets. <laughs> uh, so these are, but it's just like, it'd be open on like random evenings. You know, sometimes it wouldn't be open and then sometimes it'd just be open. Sometimes it'd be open like, uh, you know, on the 3 way. 3 a.m. or something. Well, no, to like the uh, 10.30 a.m. jujitsu like training time, you'd walk past it and be open at like 10.30. The know? mat, the matinette show. I guess. <laughs> but yeah, so those places are everywhere and uh just kinda sometimes in a strange place as well. Those those places, um like I never actually saw one before I came to Japan. Like do those do those places even exist in our home countries? Like people just go into the, the cinema to watch porn. Um, by themselves i thought that was like a really kind of old retro thing like back in the 70s or something i didn't realize it still existed i don't know there's a famous story in the u.s when i was growing up about that comedian Wee herman they got caught in a uh <laughs> one of the he was a comedian he had this like children's television show i can't remember his real name but uh supposedly he got caught in one of those establishments so apparently they're somewhere mm. But a bit but, more, a bit more discreet, like uh, like they should be. Whereas, yeah, here they're they're not. Like you said, yeah. they had the the posters uh, at the front window advertising what's on, so you know exactly what you're getting when you walk past. Strange thing is that place is like right across the street from a pachinko parlor. Come to think of it, yeah, so yeah, maybe right. maybe they're linked somehow. Mm, yeah, send the send the customers from the pachinko of their winnings to the the pawn shop. <laughs> from one legal, illegal establishment to another and yeah to the dojo <laughs> to the dojo if, you, if you're on the bend schedule yeah. well so, yeah that, that was, was talking about, about that yeah. <laughs> do you well, should we well i don't know are there any more ones that we should talk about well there were a couple more on here i mean there's the big one about whaling and how japan gets past the uh international moratorium for against whaling to be able to uh, continue their whaling practices. And then there was also the one about alcohol and underage drinking, which I don't know how it is in uh, the UK or or in your, you know, where you grew up or uh, in the household you grew up in, but in Japan, just kind of like this article was mentioning, a lot of kids kind of like uh, grow up drinking a little bit at home In fact, Mm. this person who wrote a side article about it that was linked in this main article was mentioning that he grew up in, a Japanese writer, grew up in uh, high school in Nagoya, or junior high school as well. 
And yeah, he was saying like a lot of his friends, junior high school, start drinking from junior high school, usually at home, maybe a little bit with the family or whatever. Uh, I didn't I grow up in that house, yeah. household, but yeah. it, it's quite common in uh, in European countries to kind of start drinking quite young at home with uh, with family members, like over dinner or something. Not getting like wasted, but you know they might have a glass of wine or a glass of beer or something with their family. Um, and especially when uh, they eat out as well. So if they go to a restaurant and you're with your family and you're underage, it's okay to drink alcohol. I remember that that was kind of a, a weird law. Like, if you're with you know, your family. Yeah, if you're with your family but you're underage, it's not illegal to uh, to drink if your family permit it, if your parents are there. Because, hmm. so yeah, you, did you I'd, I'd, I didn't do it. But um, I remember when I worked in a restaurant... Uh, when I was at university, yeah, some some uh, families would come in, and the the children were teenagers, clearly underage, um, but their parents were like letting them drink, and yeah, I, I couldn't stop them. I, wasn't, I, I couldn't say sorry, you're not allowed to, because it wasn't against the law, because their parents yeah. agreed to it. You can mm. be like, you know, God is watching you right now. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, in uh, in Japan as well. I don't know um, if you've come across it before, but they have like children's alcohol. Like it's it's not alcoholic at all. It's like fake, but it tastes. It's supposed to like taste like beer or wine or a cocktail or something, um, and it's for kind of like priming the children for their adult life when they can drink alcohol. Or it may also be used, you know, during celebrations like New Year and birthdays to make the child or, you know, feel a part of the celebration. So they would have like a non-alcoholic beer, um, maybe not as strong a taste as like beer, probably, you know, maybe a bit more sugar in it. But so, yeah, they can like come by their family members and feel like they're a part of the occasion. Um, so yeah, I've seen I've seen like drinks like that around too. Yeah, we grew, I grew up. Um, <clears throat> I haven't seen those, but um, I mean, I grew up in a very <clears throat> religious household, so there was nobody drinking underage at home in, in our household. Um, but like you know, I've again been to relatives in Japan uh, for holidays over the New Year's break or whatever. Yeah, sometimes they just pour, uh, pour a small glass of beer. I mean, a really small, like, shot glass or smaller size uh, serving of, like, beer or nihonshu uh, to one of the young boys at the table. And, I mean, young boys, like, uh, probably still elementary school or something. Mm. And, uh, you know, they would maybe taste it, maybe not like it at all, and they wouldn't finish it or f- drink it or anything. But it was definitely wasn't anything of, like, no, you can't drink that bubble. You know, there's none of this like really strict mentality. It was more just like, hey, the kid wants to try it, let him try it type of thing. But, you know, this article was saying too, that's kind of one of the large drivers of alcohol problems later is how early a person starts drinking. Um, maybe not in all cases, but it can be a driver of heavy alcohol use uh, from a younger uh, age and stuff. So, I don't know. Uh, whenever I'm drinking around home, uh, my older daughter like kind of wants to check the smells of everything. She's always like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, man, this is not good. 
Um, I've, I've I've found um, this, this statistic that apparently um, around fifty percent of junior high school students and seventy percent of senior high school students have experienced alcohol. It's quite a high number. Fifty percent of junior high school, right? That's what 12, 12, 13 years old. Yeah, and again, from. yeah, and again, I think most of these, at least, especially in junior high school, are. According to this other this article this guy wrote, he was saying, you know, most of it's drinking at home uh, until they get to high school, and then uh, they're drinking, the crowd they're drinking in usually starts to switch from family members to friends and stuff. Yeah, so, drinking in parks, because um, as a lot of people would notice, they never really check for ID in Japan. They're not strict at all. Like, you see... A lot of young-looking people, but they—that's the thing. Like Japanese people look so young, in general, that they—they—they they, they probably are at the age of drinking, um, which is why maybe a lot of people don't ask them. But I think coming from our home countries, I don't know what it's like in America. It's pretty strict, I think, and England's really strict too. Like you know, I'm 39. I went back a couple of years. A couple of, I went back to England a couple of years ago, and and I, and I still got ID. He thought the, the dudes thought I was like, yeah, he actually thought I was underage. He thought I was like eighteen or no, I guess yeah, he thought I was seventeen because the drinking yeah. age is eighteen in Japan in England. Yeah, sorry, you fell for that <laughs> flattery <laughs> from the young man behind the counter. Uh, well, the thing is, is um, in Jap- in the U.S. it's very strict. In fact, I think. In some states, like they're required to card everybody uh, for both alcohol and tobacco sales. Um, but yeah, in Japan, even if they're like an they, old man, they wouldn't card an old man, though, right? I think he, they have he to. He was clearly some, like fifty or you know, clearly like seventy years old. <laughs> they wouldn't ask him for ID, would they? Hey, some people are getting pretty convincing costumes these days. You never know. You know, might graying their five hair. Five hours of make. <laughs> Five hours of makeup just to go into the store and buy some alcohol. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they're not carding in those cases, but just because they're required for every uh, to receive everyone's ID, then I think they just ask out of habit. Mm. Um, but, yeah, in Japan, uh, they hardly ever ask, and whenever they do ask, I mean, they usually do ask, but whenever they do ask, it's just a matter of pushing, as this article points out, a button. Just There's only one button that says, yes, I'm of the age. There's another no other option you just it's like okay can you push the button on the screen please is basically what they tell you and then you look and there's only one button that says yes i'm old enough to buy this you know yeah and some um, sometimes they they push it for you as well if <laughs> like for some reason uh they think that you can't be bothered to do it they'll actually lean over and press it i've had that a couple of times in the the kombini i don't know why i did that maybe because yeah, i didn't realize what the- they were doing well, they're just trying to keep the line going or something. So it's a range yeah. stuff. Yeah, like busy times. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, underage drinking in Japan. Again, I mean, there is a law apparently from like 1922 or something. But again, the loophole is there's just no real punishment mm. for underage drinking. Yeah, you never hear about it anywhere or like establishments being uh, fined for allowing underage people to drink. Uh, maybe there isn't kind of a law for that i'm not really sure if there's any like penalties that uh vendors have to have to face uh you never really hear much about that stuff which is yeah, probably well, I, why it's so kind of loose here yeah i think this is basically saying like vendors and certain establishments and everything there's no 
clear lot for a punishment. So that's why they're able to get away with it without fearing for any recourse. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think we've uh, we've kind of coming up to that time. Uh, maybe we should uh, maybe we should thank one of our sponsors. Who's our who's our sponsor? How about Barefoot Bar? Burke, have you been there in a while? Actually, Barefoot Bar is not opening until December, so they're doing a a refurb, new style. Um, uh, do Do you know what a style they're going for, Burke? It's not not a, a sports bar anymore. I have only been seeing uh, little hints here and there on social media, so I don't know much about it. Yeah, I'm so kind of like a to see it. Yeah, it's like a bit more of a rustic feel, and I think they're they're going for more kind of Japanese food. They still they'll still have some uh, some foreign beers uh, on tap and all the, the usual cocktails and wines, but yeah, they're they're going for like uh, kind of Japanese um, centric. Uh, food uh but yeah they'll be opening in december we actually had a i heard there was a, a couple of a couple of girls that like, tried to go there the other day they actually one of them came down from uh osaka and she read about uh barefoot bar online and she really wanted to go and then uh found out that yeah they were closed so she was a bit disappointed about that but yeah so december december is when it'll be open again yeah, definitely looking forward to it. Uh, man, that location, we always, we've talked about it a lot, but it has a lot of uh, significant sentimental value uh, for my 20 years in Japan and uh, you too. Yeah. A lot of big stuff happened there. All so. the history there. Yeah, and it's located right downtown, about five-minute walk from Odori or Suskino subway station, so very easy to find in the uh, Tanuki Koji uh, arcade center right at the end. Uh, block six so yeah hopefully when uh when december rolls around uh, things will start going uh getting uh, pretty lively there for sure and uh people who can come overseas and uh listen to this after the fact man go check it out it's one of uh great location close to everything in odori but also close enough to Suskino. so can't go wrong yeah barefoot bar yeah and they have a facebook page as well and it's bare as in the animal, and then foot, as in the human foot. <laughs> <laughs> or the bare foot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, thanks for joining us, and we will catch you next time. Let's go to some of this. Sayonara! <laughs>